Bibles, open up to Psalm 29. And that's, that song is tough. The, I always get mixed up on the chorus and the verse. And, and uh, the tune is similar and yet slightly different. And uh, uh, I always struggle with that sometimes, especially if I'm leading. Not so much if I'm just following, but uh, that can be a challenge. Psalm 29. I want to preach on God's great storm, and as the psalm opens, um, it would seem like the first few verses are out of place. You're going to look at it, you're going to be, wow, that's really, uh, that's unique. And uh, as we read this, you'll see that, uh, and there's very clear distinctions in, in the sections. You'll find verses 1 and 2 are very clearly one topic, and verses 3 down through 9 are very distinctly another topic that becomes very obvious as you read it. Uh, and then the last two verses really are kind of the closing of the entire psalm. And uh, Psalm 29, as we look at this this evening, the Bible says in Psalm 29 and verse number 1, Give unto the Lord, O ye mighty, give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory, do His name, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. The voice of the Lord is upon the waters, the God of glory thundereth, the Lord is upon many waters." The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaketh the cedars. Yea, the Lord breaketh the cedars of Lebanon. He maketh them also to skip like a calf. Lebanon and Syrian like a young unicorn. The voice of the Lord divideth the flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shaketh the wilderness. The Lord shaketh the wilderness of Kadesh. Uh, the voice of the Lord maketh the hinds to calve, and discover the, discovereth the forests. And in his temple doth everyone speak of his glory. The Lord sitteth upon the flood, yea, the Lord sitteth king forever. The Lord will give strength unto his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace." Let's pray. Father, we thank you just for your goodness to us. We thank you, Father, for the privilege that we have to be in your house. And God, as we look at your word, I pray that you'd use me. I pray, Father, that you'd speak through me. God, I pray that you would just touch hearts as only you can. And God, I pray that each and every person would get something out of this psalm, Father, that would be a blessing, a, a help, an encouragement, uh, a strength to them, Father. And God will be careful to, again, give you the honor and glory for everything. And Jesus, precious name we pray. Amen. As, as I said, as the psalm opens, the first couple of verses almost seem out of place. Uh, and, and admittedly, it takes some reading and some praying and some study, uh, you know, sometimes to understand some things in the Word of God. Sometimes we read a passage, admittedly, myself, many times I'll read a passage and I'll reread a passage and I'll reread that passage. And uh, what I've started doing, especially with the Psalms, is I'll take my pen and I'll just copy the psalm out. And, and that makes you focus on every single word as you're writing out that psalm by hand. And just studying it uh, has been a, a blessing and a help. But I can assure you by the end uh, that, that we'll have it all packaged up in a neat little package uh, that, that I believe David intended as he authored this psalm. Uh, and oftentimes my titles don't really, uh, I, I'm not a, a title connoisseur, if you know what I mean. I, uh, my titles are rather utilitarian most 
of the time, uh, but I believe tonight's title is fitting. It's God's great storm, and uh, and you won't understand that in the beginning, but towards the end, uh, we'll wrap that all up, and that'll be the bow on top, all right? And then it'll kind of make sense at that point. Uh, but look with me in verse number one through uh, two, one and two. Really, I could preach an entire message just on these verses. I could spend the entire night here. We will not do that for sake of time. But I want you to notice in verses one and two, it's God's volunteers. God's volunteers. Look at what he says there. Give unto the Lord O ye mighty, give unto the Lord glory and strength. You'll notice immediately the theme of verses 1 and 2 is all about giving. Uh, And it becomes very evident and very clear. And giving in its very nature is a voluntary action. If it's not voluntary, then it's a stick-up. Or you're being charged for a bill, one or the other. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, I mean, giving is a volunteer, volunteer thing to do. Now, God does tell us to give, and so it can be done in an act of obedience, but we have to voluntarily obey and follow what God would have us to do. And we find that he opens here uh, with God's volunteers. I want you to notice just a few things. Uh, You could dissect this a hundred ways and come up with like five different outlines out of just these two verses uh, because they're they're just so rich with information. But I want you to notice this, uh, the who of the giving. He says there in verse number one, give unto the Lord. Hey, listen, there's a lot of good causes to give to. And I'm not opposed to giving to good causes. I'm not saying don't give to good causes. But I am saying we are mandated in Scripture to give unto the Lord. Now, uh, listen, God's not here on earth physically present. We cannot go up to God and say, here you go. But if you go through the New Testament, God has, has ordained the New Testament local church to be the reception of, of that volunteer giving. And, uh, and, and it is applicable absolutely uh, in the idea of giving of our, uh, of our substance and we're to give it to the Lord. And, uh, and so he's established that in the New Testament church. Uh, what are we to give? Uh, so we understand who the who of giving. It's unto the Lord, the what of giving. And, uh, and here's where we find application in a lot of this. Uh, we give of our substance is the first thing. Notice there in verse number one, give unto the Lord. He does not specify what to give. Uh, he just starts off with give unto the Lord, O ye mighty, give unto the Lord. And here he specifies glory and honor. Uh, not honor, excuse me, strength and strength. I was already thinking my next verse. Uh, so the idea is to give glory to God. And give strength to God. And one of those things of giving is of our substance. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 3 and verse number 9, probably one of my favorite verses on giving is, Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. In other words, God expects us to give unto Him. You know what it is when we give unto Him? It's glorifying to Him. It's saying, God, I believe that that you can you can support me better on ninety percent than I can support myself on a hundred percent. 
It's a, it's a step of faith. It's a step of trust. It's a step of saying, I'm going to give to God because I honor God. And I want God to be glorified in my financial statements uh, when they come out. And, uh, and listen, uh, we ought to give of our substance to the Lord. It does bring honor and glory to God. It is commanded in the Bible in Proverbs chapter 9. And I love the way it's worded because he says, honor the Lord. In other words, hey, prioritize God in your life. Uh, and so we ought to give of our substance, not just that. But he says, give of our strength. We ought to glorify God. We can do that by giving to him and trusting him and prioritizing him in our, in our, in our life. But we also ought to give of our strength. Uh, praise the Lord on Saturday. Uh, boy, we had a, a good work crew out here. And, and I thank the Lord. And, and you know what? Some of those fellas, uh, man, they, they, you know what they brought? They brought their muscles. And, and they came and they put them things to work. And I tell you what, on Sunday, I was sore, brother. Uh, I just was, man. We tackled that ditch out there, and and uh, man, that was a lot of work. Me and Sean, and and uh, and I think he did more of it than I did, and and uh, and we we just wore ourselves out. You know what? That's giving of our strength. Uh, we think of giving so many times. We just think financial, financial, financial. There are so many ways to give to God, and our substance and our finances is one, no doubt. But listen, giving of our time, giving of our strength, giving of our effort, giving of our work, uh, that's something that we can invest in in God. And listen, so many times we think, well, uh, you know, I can't, I can't teach or I can't preach uh, or I can't sing uh, and I don't have any, any musical ability. Did you know there are, there are many, many ways that you can serve the Lord in your effort? We have some people come by our church. Uh, sometimes I'll see something and I'll ask some men, hey, do you think you could come by and fix this? And they'll come after work. They'll come at other times and they'll fix things around the church and they'll do things like that. And we have other, on Wednesday nights, you know this, you're here on a Wednesday night, uh, people clean the church. Uh, that's a blessing. That's something that you can do. Run a vacuum sweeper, collect the trash, uh, you know, straighten pews. There's something that everyone can do that is giving to the Lord. And we're to give of our strength. And, uh, and so, uh, listen, we, that's something that we can offer to God. Uh, the Bible talks a lot about that in the New Testament. And, uh, and it talks about that in 1 Corinthians, I believe, chapter 12, in the body and different, uh, different gifts and different ministries and different abilities that people have. And as I think about giving of our strengths, I thought of this as well, that we ought not hide it. Um, don't hide your talents from God. The New Testament parable, it's not, when it talks about a talent, it's not talking about our physical ability to do things. It's actually talking about money. Uh, but it's so relevant to talents. It seems like just like people hide their money, they also hide their talents and say, well, I'm, you know, I, I'm not sure I'm not going to do this or uh, whatever reason. Hey, we ought not hide uh, what, what God has given us uh, to be able to do. We ought to use it for his honor and for his glory. So we give of our substance. We give of our strength. Uh, not only that, but look in verse number two. I love this. He says, give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. When I first read that phrase, I thought, boy, the beauty of holiness, that, that applies to God. But when I read it again, I thought, no, no, no. No, that applies to us. 
Read it one more time with me. The Bible says there in verse number two, uh, give unto the Lord the glory due his name. Let's shelf that. We're going to touch that in a moment. But give him the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Did you know that living a life that is holy unto God is a beautiful thing and brings honor and glory to God? We were out with my, well, my family was all in on, over Easter, and, and we were out with uh, uh, someone and, and uh, a family friend, and, and he commented to me, he said, this is really nice. We were sitting at the table, I, I, all my kids were there, and, and, and all their significant others, some married, we accept their family, but uh, the others, they're just significant others until they tie that knot, but uh, uh, they were all there, and everyone was there, and it was a big, big conglomerate group of people, and, and, uh, and he said this to me, he said, it is really refreshing to see all these young people not see tattoos, not see them all pierced up, not see them, just see them like normal people. And, and I, I took it as a compliment. I said, well, praise the Lord. Thank you. You know, but our lifestyle of holiness, you know what it does? It honors and glorifies God. And, and you know me, I am not lifestyle evangelism only, but our life better match our words. And, and, and listen, I, I know, I've known of people, I've, I know people who have been, you know, tattooed up before they got saved and got saved or whatnot. And I know that you can't always fix all of that stuff. But I tell you what, living a clean life honors and glorifies God. And, and he's talking about the beauty of holiness and how that worships God. Hey, listen, every single day live holy. I love that word. Unto the Lord, we could go off on a whole message on holiness and living right. But we find in verse number one and two, uh, God's volunteers, I told you we we're going to touch that and we're going to hit that in verse two. Give unto the Lord the glory due his name. The who are giving unto the Lord, the what of giving, give of your substance, give of your strength, give of yourself. Uh, the why of giving. Boy, this is very clear in verse number two, because it's due his name. God's worthy. I was reminded of Revelation chapter 4 and verse number 11. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Hey, listen, he's worthy of us living right. He's worthy of us making right decisions in our life. He's worthy and of all honor and all glory that we can exalt to Him and we ought to give glory and honor to God. We see in verses 1 and 2, God's volunteers. I want you to notice in verses 3 down through 9, a phrase that is obvious and sticks out and that talks about God's voice. There's much allusion throughout this entire passage given to God's voice being equated to that of a powerful thunderstorm. And you could almost walk through each one of these and equate that to a powerful thunderstorm as it is there. And I want you to notice this, that there's seven clear references to the voice of the Lord. And I want you to notice that the Lord is is all capitals, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. And, uh, and that in the Bible, in our King James Bible, means Jehovah God, the one true God. 
And, uh, and so, boy, he is, he is very clear that it is the voice of the one true and only God, Jehovah, that lives in heaven. I read that and I was reminded, idols have mouths, but they can't speak. And uh, that whole psalm that talks about it, they have hands, but they can't do anything. They have feet, uh, but they can't go anywhere. And, uh, and all of that, they have ears, but they can't hear. And, and, and it's so true. But listen, we serve a God who does have a voice. He does have ears. He does have the ability to hear. He does have the ability to speak. And we're going to look at this idea of God's voice in verse number three. And uh, time will not allow us to go through every one of these as detailed as, as we could or I would like. But the Bible says in verse number three, the voice of the Lord is upon the waters. The God of glory thundereth. The, the Lord is upon many waters. As I read that, the, uh, I started looking at that, thinking about that phrase, uh, that the, the voice of God is upon the waters. And I thought, well, what does that mean? And, and so I kind of formulated my idea and looked up a few, and, and some people reference the idea of being uh, upon the storm that's coming. But as I looked up the idea of the waters in the Bible, that phrase is used quite a bit. And, and the majority of the time that it's used, it's always in reference, almost always, not always, but it's almost always in reference to lakes and to rivers and to seas and to bodies of water that are, that are located here on the earth. And so as I read that again and thought about that, the voice of the Lord is upon the waters. I thought this, uh, the sight of His voice. God's voice is not confined to one sole location. We know that from, from Psalms 19, that uh, the, you know, the heavens declare the glory of God. And, and we know that, uh, that, that, hey, He does speak. We know that from, from looking at the book of Proverbs in chapter 3 and the voice uh, that, that is there shouting out uh, the wisdom in the streets and all over other places. And we find that God's voice is not confined to only one place. But if you think about this, how much water is there in the world? Well, I looked it up because I, I couldn't remember. And, uh, and, and 70% roughly. You go argue with me, that's fine. 80%, you want to say 65, I don't care. The majority of the earth is covered in water. And what I'm saying is, listen, God's voice just resonates off that water. It just speaks clearly that there is a God and His voice is not confined to one place. Uh, and I want you to notice the second part of that verse. It becomes very clear because he says there, uh, the, the Lord is upon many waters. Not just one location, but all over. Uh, and it becomes very clear that God's voice runs throughout the entirety of the world. We find the sight of his voice. I want you to notice in verse number four, the strength of his voice. Look at verse number four. The voice of the Lord is powerful. Many of these actually describe power as we will look at them. But here is a very clear and concise statement that the, the voice of the Lord is powerful. And listen, we know that. I went back and looked up uh, Genesis chapter one. You go back and read it. And you know what? God spoke. And you know what happened? The world came into existence. God spoke, and then there was night, and there was day. God spoke, and there was this. He spoke. What is that? It is the power of His voice with just, a, uh, just a, uh, the, the uttering of words. Boy, what power God has. 
all tied up in his voice. Boy, you could really run that, the voice of God and the power of the voice of God that is there. But, but for sake of time, just notice the sight of his voice is not just one location, but all over the strength of his voice in verse number four. I want you to notice in verse number four, the second half, the voice of the Lord is full of majesty, the splendor of his voice, where there's just something majestic about the voice of God. Uh, the Bible describes it in Revelation 1.15, and his feet like unto fine brass as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. Boy, just the fullness of his voice and the majest majesty of his voice and, and how, how wonderful it must sound. And uh, boy, what a, what a great uh, thought or what a great uh, experience to be able to hear his voice. I look forward to getting to heaven and hearing the audible voice of God. Boy, to know the sound of it. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. They know my voice. And uh, boy, what a, what a splendor in the majesty of his voice. Look at verse number five, and we find the smiting of his voice. Verse five and six, the voice of the Lord breaketh the cedars. Yea, the Lord breaketh the cedars of Lebanon. He maketh them also to skip like a calf. Lebanon and Syrian like a young unicorn. The smiting of, a vo of his voice. The cedars are often referred to in the Bible as a tree that is strong, as a tree that is mighty, as a tree that has long life. And I want you to notice that before the voice of God, listen, uh, at just the utterance of a word, God can break those cedars completely off. Uh, he can make them, it even references the cedars of Lebanon. For some reason, uh, the cedars of Lebanon uh, are believed to have lived even longer. And if I remember correctly, they lived uh, several thousand years there in, in Lebanon. And, and they, they had long life. And yet, listen, even with the expanse life that they would have, they are not above the power of God and His voice. He can break them. He can make them to shake, the Bible says there uh, in verse number 6. He maketh them also, I love the wording of this, to skip like a calf. I don't know if they come out of the ground. I don't know if they're just a quivering, but, but I do know this. The power of God's voice is incredible. And we see the smiting of His voice. Unicorn is mentioned here in the Bible. I'll just touch on this. It's likely not an animal that perhaps now is extinct. I don't know, but I do know this. It's not a mythical horse, okay? You can wipe that out of your mind. Uh, that is not what a unicorn is. Uh, it could reference a rhinoceros, uh, any animal that has one horn. Uh, it is likely that we're, we're not sure exactly what this animal is today. Uh, it could be an animal that is, is no longer in existence. Uh, but it was an animal, legitimate animal in the Bible times, and, uh, and we can certainly understand that. But he says, He maketh them also to skip like a calf, Lebanon and Syrian like a young unicorn. And I think of the voice of judgment of God as it breaks the uh, cedars and as it causes them to shake. And we find this, that's where the smiting of God's voice Look at verse number 7. We see the separating by his voice. The voice of the Lord divideth the flames of fire. Boy, the flame of fire could be severed by the very voice of God. 
I was reminded of this verse, Hebrews 4.12, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And boy, God's, God's voice, God's word is able to divide the flame of fire. I started thinking about some of the flames of fire and, uh, that could be severed, and, and I was reminded of uh, how Elijah prayed and called down fire from heaven, and, and God sent that, and, and how Elijah, when uh, he was taken up, uh, he was taken up in a whirlwind, and that, that flaming fire, that chariot of fire that came down and, and split Elijah and Elisha and parted them asunder, and, and I'm just saying that uh, there, there's many occasions of fire in the Bible, but I'm saying this, that the voice of the Lord divideth the flames of fire. Fire is often thought of as a judgment as well uh, and, and condemnation that would come. I want you to notice in verse number 8, the voice of the Lord shaketh the wilderness. The Lord shaketh the wilderness of Kadesh. The shaking by his voice. He has the ability to shake the world merely by speaking. And you remember when, uh, when, when the, the disciples were there with Jesus at the Mount of Transfiguration and he spoke and the ground shook. Boy, they, they fell on their faces. They became fearful. And the shaking, and what I'm saying is the mere power and authority of God's voice. Look with me in verse number 9. The voice of the Lord maketh the hinds to calf. Now you're looking at me like a calf looks at a new gate. And you're saying, what on earth is that? The hind is a deer. It's, a, it's an animal. Uh, and, and to calf is a verb, and that means to give birth to its young. So let's read that one more time. The voice of the Lord maketh the hinds to calve and discovereth the forests. And in his temple doth everyone speak out of, uh, speak of his glory. I want you to notice in verse number 9 the supremacy of his voice, uh, that he would even cause the, the deer to give birth and, and even cause the leaves to fall off the trees. And perhaps it's the element of fear and, and there's the idea of, you know, and during a thunderstorm that uh, the thunder would be so loud and so abrasive that, that it would cause the deer to uh, start to give birth, maybe even before they're ready to. And, uh, and the idea of the supremacy of God's voice, and it reaches everywhere. And there's the whole idea of God's power and God's supremacy and God's judgment that it would fall on earth and that it would fall on people and that even the cedars of Lebanon would not survive God's, uh, God's powerful judgment that would come. And, and, and even the strongest people or flames uh, would be separated uh, by, by God's voice that he would speak and the shaking that he would cause even the earth to shake and there's nothing that would withstand the voice of God. We find God's volunteers in verses 1 and 2, we find God's voice described as a, a, uh, as a supreme shaking, uh, separating, smiting, splendor, strength uh, and just located in all places the sight of his voice as it's described there throughout those verses. But I want you to notice God's virtue in verse number 10. I love this. The Bible says, The Lord sitteth upon the flood. Now, 
the flood is probably one of the greatest judgments of the world. And you'll remember God said that, uh, that he'll put a bow in the sky. Don't look for rainbow in the Bible. You won't find it in, in Genesis chapter number six. He just said he'll put a bow, all right? And it is a rainbow because it appears after rain, and that's where the word rainbow comes from. But that is a promise that God would not destroy the world again with a worldwide flood like he did in Genesis chapter number six. And what was that about? That was about God's judgment, the flood that came to the earth. Notice here he says, uh, the Lord sitteth upon the flood, yea, the Lord sitteth king forever. I want you to notice the two references there of God being seated, and I want you to notice this about God, his calm disposition, even in judgment and in his kingly throne. And that God, for all of eternity, the Bible is very clear, will sit on his throne and be a, a king for all of eternity. And we find him here in these verses uh, seated at two times, displaying uh, his calm disposition. In verse number 11, the Lord will give strength unto his people. Listen, we know there's judgment coming. We know that, that, that God will judge those who, uh, who live wickedly, and, and we know all of those things to be true. But listen, He's still a God to His people. And, and we go back to God's volunteers in the very beginning, and He's saying, hey, God will give you strength. Hey, he's still God of everything. He's in control. He's seated on his throne. He is the king for all of eternity. Yes, his voice thunders. Yes, it shakes things. Yes, it's powerful. Yes, it's something that many people will fear. But hey, for those who are saved, for those who are born again, for those who are serving the Lord, hey, his voice is not something to run from and quiver because of, but rather to seek strength from. Because he's our God. And he says there in verse number 11, the Lord will give strength unto his people. Not only that, but the second part, the Lord will bless his people with peace. Not only strength, but I want you to notice the stillness. We, we noted this last week. It is possible to, have, to go through a storm and have the peace of God in your hearts. The disciples, they went through that storm. They were on the boat. You can't hardly think, read this passage without thinking about it and, and how God was there with them. And when finally uh, they, they ran to Jesus and said, Master, carest thou not that we perish? What did he say? He said, Peace, be still. And the stillness that just came over. And I... I it was not just in their hearts. That was he physically calmed that storm and stilled the raging winds and the, the, the waves of the sea. Uh, but listen, what an illustration and what a, a, a proof of his ability and power to cause a calm and a stillness to flood the souls of those that are serving him. We see God's volunteers in verses 1 and 2. We see God's voice and really a voice of judgment and the strength and the supremacy of it and the shaking power of it and, and all of that that would be fearful for those who do not follow or live for God. But then those who are saved, he closes saying, hey, I'll give you strength 
And I'll give you stillness. I'll give you peace as we follow God and live for God. What a blessing to see God's great storm. And yes, there's judgment. Yes, there's strength. Yes, there's supremacy in His voice. That's not something that we, you and I, have to fear. One of the things I read many years ago um, in, in Revelation chapter, I believe it's 20, when it talks about the great white throne. And, and just before that, uh, the guy was expounding upon it and he was explaining how we know this is not a judgment for saved people, but rather a judgment for lost people. And the Bible says because they fled before him and wanted to find a hiding spot, but there was no hiding spot for them. And he said, you know what? Lost people flee from God. Saved people run to God. Oh, we're not perfect. We know that. We're humbled and, and, and sometimes ashamed, but and we, we know that God loves us, that He cares for us, and that he, he, uh, he, he forgives us. And we find all of that in the Word of God. And so we're grateful for that, but we don't have to fear or tremble or shake at the voice of God, but rather we can find the strength and the stillness in the voice of God as a Christian. What a blessing. Others may fear from it. Others may run from it. Others may find it uneasy to hear the voice of God. But for us, it brings us strength and it brings us stillness to our life that we can appreciate. With every head bowed and every eye closed as we stand to our feet, we'll have a short hymn of invitation. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for your word. Thank you for, God, your voice. God, so many descriptors given in Psalm 29 that describe your voice. God, I, I thank you that we can be volunteers of yours, following you. God, you've not made us robots. You've not made us slaves, but rather sons that freely choose to follow you. Thank you for your voice, the strength, the power, the justice, the supremacy that it represents. God, may we find strength and stillness in you. God, I pray that you'd speak to hearts as only you can. In Jesus' precious name I pray, amen.